All right. We are recording. It's so good to be back in the studio again. The studio. Yep. Um, I'm going to have my own studio one day. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be soundproofed. It's going to have all the nice lighting. It's going to have all kinds of mics for all my podcasts and my guests and my instruments and my nice. music recording. It's going to be amazing. All right. Well, I look forward to coming over and using your studio. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We've been gone for a long time, a mostly really long because time. Christopher and I have been busy and mm-hmm. but haven't been really working on any new projects, so mm-hmm. we didn't really have anything interesting to talk about. It's just kind of been working on things around the house or school for you. And, and you don't want to hear about that, do you? No. No. So um we're finally getting kind of or at least i'm starting to work on some projects again Mm -hmm. new stuff or at least i'm continuing to build my guitar uh we don't need to bore the audience with more talk about that though um so when we first started this podcast we talked about how we really loved the notum questions podcast and that was kind of like what inspired us to get started in this Mm -hmm. um and guess what we still love the notum questions podcast Matt and Dustin always have excellent podcast ideas and things to talk about. Mm-hmm. We don't normally rip them off and use their ideas. I think we did it once before. I, uh, but I would this just week, say borrow the idea, you know? No, nah, we're just completely <laughs> ripping off the idea. Okay. However, yeah. we would like to encourage you to go listen to their episode first because mm-hmm. it's going to be way better than ours. Mm-hmm. But this week, it was such a fun topic that uh, we thought we should give it a shot and see what we each had to say about it. Um, their most recent episode, uh, I believe, was called Would You Survive? Yes, I think one. Or How Would You Survive? Perhaps? Was that the number? Sure, because we are nothing if not prepared on this show. Um, yeah, so they, they talked about... How Would You Survive? All right, excellent. They talked about um, the TV show Alone, Mm -hmm. which is where 10 contestants get dropped in the middle of nowhere, um, quite a distance from each other. Um, They have a list of things that they can take with them, and then they have to just try to survive on their own in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Whoever lasts the longest wins. It is a, at least on the season I'm watching, a $500,000 prize. Wow. Um, That's a serious prize. Yeah. Um, I already have more motivation now thinking about this than I did two minutes ago. So Matt and Dustin talked about what they would want to take with them on Mm -hmm. their survival trip, which I think would be a really fun thing to discuss. Um, Growing up, our whole, well, our family, I say say our family, me and my siblings and my mother were really interested in like wilderness survival stuff. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we like to build like survival kits and stuff like that. And then, you know, my dad would always kind of laugh at us a little <laughs> bit because we never were like actually out in the wilderness anywhere. Uh-huh. Um, the the running joke in the family is, uh, what are you going to do, fish, fish in a ditch? <laughs> um, basically, like the only place we would ever break down is on the side, you know, get, get stuck was be on the side of the road somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not going to starve to death anywhere. Um, it, it's, it's a fun so, thing to think through, though. Yeah, so I I thought it would be really fun to go through the list and then just talk a little bit about the show and some stuff I've maybe learned from watching it because uh, I'm not really a survival show kind of guy. We 
watched a couple of those types of shows when mm-hmm. I was a kid and like being the smart individuals that we were, we saw through, through the production okay. of it and the fact that this person is actually in the wilderness with a huge camera crew following him around. So yeah. Like, uh, no. The person's not actually alone. Now, okay, and, so maybe since you've seen, you've watched the show and that was actually going to be one of my questions of have you, have you watched it yet? And did you start watching mm-hmm. it from after hearing this podcast? Yep. No, okay. That's the only reason I started watching it. Because like I just said, I am not a survival show kind of guy. Right. Um, so so give some context then to the audience about like how the style of this show is different from others. Because from what I understand, they don't have a camera crew with them. Working on it, my friend. I'm working on it. Back to my story. <laughs> you got to let me round out my stories, man. I'm no, going I want square stories. Please. I'm going with this. Okay. Um, I've got places that I'm trying to take you here. And the, you the just want to stop and smell the flowers. Anyway, on these shows, we always used to make fun of them because, mm. you know, it's like as soon as the camera cuts, we, you know, we always would just joke that, you know, he just walks off screen and then takes you know, the <laughs> candy bar from one of the, uh, one of the camera crew or whatever. I specifically remember, probably shouldn't mention names mm. because I don't know a ton about these guys and how, how legit they actually are. But this one guy, he was doing a survival thing in Africa and he just like, he had just gotten dropped in. I think he'd only been there for a couple hours. And he just started eating this raw dead zebra that he found and was like trying not to get charged by these lions that were kind of guarding it. And this is like, okay. and, and there's a camera crew filming him. It's like, well, surely the camera crew's <laughs> got a gun. So if he does get charged, he's not going to die. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, um, this show is different because these people are dropped off by themselves in the middle of nowhere with cameras and they have to film themselves. So not only are they trying to survive, they're also trying to film themselves and make it interesting at the same time. That's, then, that's rough, man. Yeah. Um, which, you know, filming anything slows you way down. And these people take the time of like setting up a camera and then walking past it as if the camera has been waiting there watching them the whole oh, time. Oh, dude, they're doing that, man. That oh, is, yeah. I mean, that's, they, that's dedication. Oh yeah, these guys. These are these guys are some pretty good uh, cinematographers. Um, I think they they you know select people for that purpose mm-hmm. who are going to be good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get regular checkups from you know a crew to make sure that they're safe, and they do health checkups and stuff. I don't know the details of that process. They haven't really shown it on any of the episodes that I've watched. Mm. But I guess they just you know monitor their heart and their fat levels and things like that to make sure that they're not going to actually get sick and die. I, I assume the crew comes out at least weekly maybe mm, to okay. check on them. And yeah. then they all have satellite phones where they mm, can, mm-hmm. if they really get into a bind, they can call for help and a helicopter or boat will come and get them. Now that's, that's actually kind of interesting because with any of these wilderness survival scenarios, you you're going from being in a very social environment to all of a sudden being on your own alone. So, Actually, just getting checked up on by your crew for like your your mm-hmm. doctor to come check on you every week is huge, actually. Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I was thinking like how simple of human contacts would make such a, a huge difference to you. Like, yeah, just you know, if a helicopter flew over to drop you new batteries for your cameras <laughs> and you know waving to them and then waving back <laughs> at you would be just like the the greatest. Yeah, you know, bit of human interaction you've had in forever. You think about that the whole you know, week, weeks, 
Mm-hmm. That'd be like the that'd be the highlight of your week. <laughs> imagine, to imagine if they don't wave back. They're just like, we have to keep this man, <laughs> and he's just like so sad. Why aren't they waving at me? Uh-huh, I'm right uh-huh. here. <laughs> and so then, um, as Matt explained in their podcast, uh, you know, if at some point their levels drop below whatever is healthy, mm-hmm. you know, I, I assume they have some extreme point. Yeah. Um, then they can just call it and say, okay, you're done, and yeah, you know, you joined. haven't been maintaining your whatever levels well enough and you're you know at the point where you're probably going to end up hurting yourself if you stay out here so they Mm -hmm. they can call it at any point um so i started watching the show it's pretty cool um there's a a list of things that they can take along with them and that's what i wanted to kind of go through with you today just as matt and uh, destin did on their podcast again check out the no dumb questions podcast and we could talk about what items we would take and why okay yeah let's do it um I'm going to send you a link here for the uh, website and the list so that you oh, can follow good. along. Because, you know, this when I was be... listening to their their recording of this show, I uh, I could not remember the beginning of the list once we got to the end. So mm-hmm. this will be helpful. So um, I want to encourage you to write down the items that you think you would take. You're allowed 10 items oh, wow. off the list. And there are... Um, certain other items you are allowed automatically to have. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be on the history.com slash shows slash alone slash articles slash gear dash list. Wow. If you want to check it out yourself. I just typed in Google um, alone show survival gear list or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you okay. want to read us off since I've been talking so much? Read us off the, um, if you scroll down, there'd be a picture of like a, for cap and a hatchet, and mm-hmm. then there's the list of um, that's our LSTNE, that right? The... <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, so actually, before we start reading this list, I have a very important question. Mm-hmm. Where are we dropping? Yeah. So the list here, I I don't know if it's the same list, no matter where they go. Mm-hmm. I I would think I would think so. Um, the show I'm watching is set in Canada okay. around some lake and I, I can't remember what the name of it is mm-hmm. um, it's like early fall most of the leaves are still on the trees they haven't quite started changing colors yet and it was like in the 50s maybe 60s each day okay and I've only gotten like three episodes in mm. so I don't know how how bad the weather gets eventually Mm-hmm. So we'll assume that same place because that's, that's the only part of the show I know. Yeah, and then also time of year, I think, is actually about this time of year, right? I think it was, what do they get dropped off in September and they have... Yeah, that's what Matt was saying. I don't know if it's always the same everywhere. What's the, like, um, is it whoever survives the longest or is there a, a time yeah. you have to, okay. So, yeah, just whoever survives the longest, I think. So if there's if there's nine other dudes, right? You said there were ten ten people get dropped somewhere, mm-hmm. and if there's nine other dudes out there, I just have to be the last one. Yeah, living, and it's men and women. <laughs> um, they they just they just all get dropped at different locations, uh, wow. in kind of the same area. Um, they all have slightly different landscapes and things like that, but you know yeah. they're they're all dropped on the edge of this lake, so they all have the ability to fish uh-huh. and a little bit of hunting and things like that. Okay. Um, but they're not like close enough that they can see each other. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, items. So if you want to start leading, yeah. leading off the list here, 
of things that you are automatically given. Mm-hmm. Okay, so things that we things that we get right from the get go. These don't count as our ten. So we get one pair of high leg hunting boots, one pair of waterproof Arctic winter boots, one t shirt, one fleece or wool shirt, two wool or fleece or cotton sweaters, six pairs of wool socks, two hats, two buffs or net gaiters, one uh, scarf type thing. I can't. She, she mag. I'm not sure what that other item is. Four pairs yep. of gloves, two pairs of underwear, one insulated parka style jacket, two pairs of outdoor pants, one pair of fully insulated or waterproof winter pants, one waterproof uninsulated shell jacket, two pairs of thermal underwear, one pair of gaiters, one leather belt, one toothbrush, one pair of eyeglasses, and one personal photograph. So it then kind of goes into clarification on what some of these items are, what you're allowed. Um, right off the bat, um, from just from my watching the show and thinking about it, you would want to select your items to be useful in more than one way later. Mm. Like the one guy brought his pairs of underwear. He didn't wear them. He used the fabric um, <sighs> and kind of. That's tied, good. tied him. He had like boxers, and he tied off the legs yeah. and put food in it, and then hung it from a tree so bears couldn't get at it. Oh, that—that's smart. So, you want to be thinking about multiple purposes for all these things that you're allowed to have. Yeah. Um, Matt and Destin talked about the one photograph that you're allowed, mm-hmm. and uh, Matt brought up the point that if you have a photograph, you're going to be constantly looking at it and longing for home. Whatever your photograph is of, most people, of course, would probably take their family. What about you? Do you think you'd take a photograph or not? Or if you did, what would it be of? It wouldn't be a photograph in the traditional sense. Um, <laughs> well, okay, no, like, hear me out. Like, it, it, right, like, I don't know what the dimensions of this photograph, how much you can put on here, right? But I feel mm-hmm. like if I can get away with it, I would try to put some kind of information on here. Like, mm-hmm. something that could help me out in the future. Uh, yeah. Maybe even just... A something small to read or something. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't not, make sense, right? But like, I wouldn't be like bringing a photo of like my family. Like, yeah. not that I don't care. You're not for allowed that, to bring. I don't think you're allowed to bring any reading material. Or definitely not books. Yeah. That's... So I think I would take a photo. Uh-huh. It would. It would be a bleached white skeleton to remind me that that's what <laughs> I'm going to be if I don't. Uh, wow. Don't get my act together and survive. <laughs> nice. And okay. then I could use the use the paper of a photograph for fire starting later if I needed to, if I was really in a pinch. Ooh, that's, I like that. Yeah. I'll bring a photograph of just, yeah, it yep. doesn't even have to be anything. All right. Um, next on the, uh, list is all, uh, this is the, the stuff that you get to choose from. There's oh, different man. categories and let's see here. This is a lot of stuff, dude. No duplicate items. Okay. Can we take them from the following list? Mm-hmm. Participants uh, select 10 items from the following list. The participants are responsible for securing and purchasing their, sorry, excuse me, sourcing and purchasing their 10 items. Participants may only choose up to two food items. Um, any loop of string attached to any tool, weapon, or used as a neck loop will be deducted from the participants' 80 millimeter of paracord, cotton cord, or trapping wire allowance. Okay. All right. So first we've got the category of shelter. Um, 
I guess just tell me if you would take any of the items off of here mm-hmm. or if you would uh, leave them all behind. So number one is 12 by 12 ground cloth slash tarp. Eight yeah. millimeter climbing rope, uh-huh. 10 meters long. Uh, 550 paracord, 80 meters long. Yeah. Three millimeter cotton cord, 40 meters. Man, this is going to get so tough. I, I just, I'm just going to want to bring everything on here. Uh, when I was listening to Matt and Destin talk about this, um, bef- while they were just reading this, right away I liked the paracord, mostly because how mm-hmm. long it is. Um, it feels like you can just, you could use it for a lot of different things. So I'm definitely putting paracord down as one of my, uh, one of my items for now. And if I have to go back Mm -hmm. and later and and switch it for something else, but I'm putting down the paracord for now. I have a little bit of benefit having actually watched the show and seeing what works best for people. Um, when we were young, the whole thing that kind of got us started on this like wilderness survival kick, mm-hmm. um, my dad got a survival video. I was on a VHS from the library. Wow. And I can't remember. It was like 20, it, it was like 20 different ways to start a fire and then uh, all these different other options for helping survival, like getting water, getting food, building mm-hmm. traps, building shelters, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. It was really cool. And as a kid, like looking at all these building <laughs> techniques oh, yeah. without using matches, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it showed like essential items you might want to bring in your survival kit. And basically it was like a, a small like Altoids tin, you know, like there's the narrow Altoids tins and this is like a double wide type. Uh-huh. Yeah. Something you could slip in your pocket. Right. Yeah. Um, that was kind of their, the idea, and they showed a bunch of stuff you might want to put in that little survival kit to help you survive. Uh-huh. Things like fish hooks and um, wire for building snares and yeah. like dental floss for binding things together because it's strong but yet very small. Uh-huh. That sort of thing. Maybe a little bit of candy for some extra sustenance. Um, candles for helping to start fires, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um And then we, uh, you've been to the Kickapoo Valley Reserve near here. I have, yes. Um, they host occasional survival type classes where you actually get to go out and learn a lot like about wild edibles or shelter building or mm-hmm. things like that. So we've been to several of those courses as well um, and quite enjoyed them. Anyway, that's my little background <laughs> in wilderness survival and, you know, just being like a fan of camping. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Um, we should maybe even get into like books and stuff that maybe inspired us as kids too but we'll talk about that later anyway this is good this is good hang on before we go back to the list it's good that you kind of gave a background because you and i are coming at this from different angles you definitely have more of the wilderness survival stuff background and knowledge going into this Mm -hmm. picking for this list like i definitely like if this was me you bet i'm going to be reading every book i can find about wilderness survival before i actually go do this but, oh me too. But but you know I have no I have no real experience going into that. All the best I've done is like tent camping which is mm. you know uncomparable to this, right? You have yeah. all the luxuries of shelter and food and all that. So I always thought it'd be fun to just get dropped off in the middle of nowhere and then just have to survive until you could find your way back to civilization. Dude, we should uh, do like, that. I would have so much like fun on the the reserve because they've got i think thousands of acres there so do you want to take this summer off and we can yeah let's do it let's do it somewhere 
Um, see, I show. think it would be infinitely better if you were with another person because yeah. your efforts, you know, you can put in right. efforts into two different things at once. One can get food while the other builds shelter. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're by yourself, you got to balance all that stuff by yourself. And Plus don't estrogen. just the, yeah. I think that just being lonely part of it right. would really get to you really fast. You'd have to, like, yeah. I live by myself and I don't interact with a ton of people all the time except you know at work mm-hmm. um so i'm pretty good at being by myself but when i took my trip last summer um that was, that's some of the loneliest <laughs> moments i've ever had because i'm wow. camping in the middle of nowhere with absolutely nobody else around yeah. which is peaceful but also just it's nice to have people to people to talk to so i think the loneliness would really get to you uh, on top of the having to survive the more right, so just... from two people would would really be huge yeah. So under the shelter section, what mm-hmm. what are you going to take? You said the uh, I'm I'm bringing the paracord. paracord. Also the 550 comes from that it's supposed to be able to bear 550 pounds. Okay. I f- I feel like I knew what that meant. So I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, paracord um, is really impressive. Like you see it like all the time on as like little mm-hmm. wristbands and like little yeah. stuff like that. Which most of that's cheap knockoff paracord that actually can't support that weight. But oh, continue with okay. your story. Well, you just you just see it all the time, and it's always mm-hmm. like hyped up to be this really impressive yeah. thing. And I mean, the legit stuff is impressive. Like it's incredible. All right, I'm not gonna go with the uh, cotton cord because if I need something that's three millimeter, if I need something that thin, I can take apart my paracord and pull the strands out of it. Mm. Um, and then the eight millimeter climbing rope, uh, don't have much use for that because I'm not going to be doing any climbing <laughs> or hauling really large, heavy things. Uh-huh. The paracord's going to be much better for binding and lashing things, and it bears 550 pounds, so I can pull a lot of stuff with that. Yeah, you can. Um, so I'm going to go with the eight millimeter climbing, or excuse me, the uh, 80 meters of 550 paracord. Wow. Okay. And the 12 by 12 ground tarp. Oh, you're taking the tarp too. Okay. Yep. yep. All right. What are you going with? Just a paracord? Dude, I, I feel like, you know, as nice as the tarp is, I'm already, I have only nine things left. I'm going to yep. run out, man. All right. Next section is bedding. One multi-seasonal sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. One bivy bag, which I I think Matt and Dustin talked about as being just more of like a bag that you could put over your sleeping bag that's uh, maybe a little more wind tight. Mm. Um, you get one sleeping pad or one hammock. Are you going to take any items from the, the bedding? I'm taking the sleeping bag. Mm, me too. It, I I just I, that's that's good value right there in my eyes. And that's the you only thing from here. No, no, <laughs> man, dude. The, you, we are we are fighting for our lives. We do not have the luxury of padding that's or any kind of soft right. things to sleep on. Okay, the absolutely sleeping bag right. is to keep us from freezing to death yep all right next section is cooking i'm gonna read us that list okay so the first option is a one large pot one steel frying pan one flint or ferro rod set with standard sized striker one enamel bowl for eating one spoon one canteen slash water bottle and that's it dude a spoon like that doesn't that's its own (laughs) thing <laughs> yep. Man. So, are you gonna take any items from here? Yes. Um, I uh, I feel like the pot is the most versatile mm. 
uh, cooking and just not even just for cooking, but just for holding stuff. It's like the most yeah. versatile item here. So I really mm-hmm. like the pot. Um, I'm kind of trying to think about our, our the food situation. I'm thinking we're going to be making some stews and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know a whole lot about uh, this type of wilderness cooking, but um, I'm I'm going to take the pot and I I I, I want to say maybe the the flint as well. Um, I don't know yet. I don't really have a plan for how I'm going to make my fire, but I feel like having a very reliable way to make a fire is going to be important. So I think I'm going to take the flint as well. So I'm a little unclear on what the exact rules are because I thought I saw one guy who had a large pot with a lid and that lid was in the shape of a frying pan with a handle built in whoa which i think is cheating but if you could find some good survival gear like that that could be useful yeah i'm also going to go with the large pot simply for cooking things in uh, because you're going to be cooking a lot of stuff on the bones you don't have the luxury of doing it maybe in a frying pan yeah um it's going to take up a lot more space also it's just good for hauling water exactly exactly cooking that water in so that you don't get um diseases from the water <laughs> and uh yeah it's, it's and it's gonna be good for gathering berries it's just gonna be a good holding container for lots of stuff dude we don't you we don't need to gather something? berries in a pot we got we got spare boxers for that man <laughs> yeah okay is that all you bring from this um let's see yeah so i'm gonna grab the, the large pot and the flint or ferro rod oh you're bringing that too we are we are so close on our list right now we are. Um, the thing is that uh, there's a lot of ways to start a fire in yeah. the middle of nowhere without matches and stuff. But I think getting a fire going right away is very important. Mm. And you don't know what the weather's going to be like when you get dropped off. It might be raining and everything might be completely damp. Yeah. Um, and you're going to you know, be potentially starting fires in the middle of winter where you're not going to be able to get out and find a ton of dry stuff to make fire starting implements out of. Yeah. I think you just don't have that luxury of wasting time and energy trying to find good dry wood to build a fire starter out of if you can get a a small fire started that can be used to start kindling which can dry out larger pieces as they burn yeah i yeah i just definitely like it because i i like the idea of having a reliable way to get fire Mm -hmm. you know all right um and oh, just a quick note on that. I remember building a bow drill when I was a kid mm-hmm. to fire start, and I had the worst luck with it. But I actually did get a fire started a couple of times. That was pretty wow, cool. That is really cool. Uh-huh. I, I want to say I've tried the bow drill before, but I don't think I ever had success. Mm-hmm. Probably just it's was pretty not cool. patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, next is the hygiene section. Mm-hmm. You get. One standard size bar of soap, one eight ounce tube of toothpaste, one face flannel, whatever that is, one forty millimeter roll of dental floss, uh, one small bottle of bio shower soap, one shaving razor, one towel, and one comb. I know the comb was already on your list. <laughs> I yeah, thanks. That's not true. I do find it hilarious that they have a comb and a shaving razor as, as options on here. Like yep. Really? But okay. Um, I'm half inclined to grab the um, the roll of dental floss so that maybe in my time alone doing nothing but surviving, 
I might finally make myself disciplined enough to floss every day and make my dentist happy. <laughs> uh, I, I now I know, and okay, I did hear this on the podcast, but on the the pot the Smart Everyday podcast, but I I have heard in the past that you can brush your teeth with charcoal, which mm-hmm. is not appealing in any way. Um, yeah. I feel like. I feel like I want to grab the toothpaste, but it also, like, it feels, like, essential to me, but it also feels, like, almost a waste. Like, you know, yep. my teeth would be okay, I feel like. Um, yeah, especially because you're not necessarily eating a lot of stuff high in sugar. You're going to be probably surviving off of a lot of meat, yeah, fish. Meat, fish, um, maybe a few berries. Maybe some berries, maybe some plants or roots. Some tree bark, maybe. <laughs> I don't probably. know. Probably. Yeah, probably not a very high starch diet, though. Um, just for reference, um, 40 millimeters is just a little bit over a foot, so you really don't get much floss. What? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm just going to pass. I'm passing. Yeah. Yep. We don't We so don't need hygiene. We can stink in the woods. It anything from here. The only thing is the shaving razor has got razor blades, so you could use that for cutting stuff, but I think you're going to be doing a lot more heavy-duty cutting, and they're not really going to help you very much. I'm pretty sure that the heavy-duty cutting section is coming. <laughs> Next section is hunting. You're allowed one 300-yard roll of single-filament fishing line, up to max of 20 pounds weight test, uh, plus 35 assorted barbless hooks or one, and or uh, one primitive bow, recurve, or longbow, plus nine arrows, um, one small-gauge gillnet, which is a... Uh, as Matt described, a basically a net that you would hang in the water, and as fish swim through it, they get stuck in the openings. Mm-hmm. Um, one slingshot slash catapult plus thirty steel ball bearings plus one replacement band. One net foraging bag, two pounds of twenty twenty one or twenty two gauge stainless steel and or brass trapping snare wire. Three pounds of wow, two pounds of wire. That's actually a good amount. Uh, three pounds of one solid block of salt. Uh, this is a nice section. I mean, I feel like mm. there's some good value to be had here. Uh, okay, so I really love the gill net. Like, that's cool to me. Like, basically, because as we talked about, like, we're a one-man band out here. We can't split up the mm. work. So... Having the gill net is almost like splitting up the work. Like, mm, you yeah. can basically fish without being there to fish. So, I am bringing that gill net. That's for sure. So, let me put that on my list. I don't know if that's the okay. only thing I'm taking from here, though. I feel like I need something else. Um, what kind of bigger game like are we thinking about hunting up here? Like, Well, um... In this particular scenario, there apparently are deer that live in the area. There seems to be a lot of grouse, uh, some squirrels, and then a lot of bears. But it's said that the bears, they weren't allowed to hunt the bears in that uh, particular area. Mm. I so I like that bow and arrow, man. That, that's, yeah. that's nice. I am absolutely taking the bow and arrow. Now, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, 
I thought about the gill net, but I think the 300 yards of fishing line would be far more useful. Plus, mm. you get the 35 barbless hooks, which is a big deal. Because you're not really going to... Well, it's difficult to make fish hooks out of, like, the wire you might be using for trapping. Because it's not super stiff. Um, and you need hooks that aren't going to bend when the fish bites on it. Yeah. Um, so, I guess it, it says stainless steel and or brass. Mm. Um, I don't think brass is going to help you very much. Um, if it's flexible enough to like bend and twist into things, I don't think it's going to work great for making into hooks mm-hmm. and hooks are very hard to make because they need to be small and sharp. So the fish bites on them. Yeah. Of course there are some that, uh, indigenous peoples have made out of like bone and stuff like that. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's super effective. So I'm also going with the f- the fishing line and, and hooks. I'm not going with the gill net because you can do what they call it. I don't know if it's pronounced trot or trout line, um, mm-hmm. where you just basically do a whole string of hooks and put bait on each one, and then you just leave that in the water so the fish have a higher likelihood of coming across them. You can leave that just like a trap like the net. The net, I think, is kind of dependent on having fish the right size to swim through it and yeah. it gets stuck. Because it's not like a net that you throw out and capture them. It's it's something that right, they actually right. get stuck in. And, okay, d- dude, you're making me reconsider here. So I guess a problem with the gill net... Now, it's it's so weird that we can buy our own stuff. Like, that doesn't seem... That doesn't seem fair, necessarily. But with the with the, the net, this net, I guess I'd be counting on finding a stream to place this across. Mm-hmm. And... Also, like, I don't know how wide this net is going to be because, mm-hmm. like, that's an issue. I need to find, like, some place for it. Yeah. So. I'm sure they give you some very detailed descriptions of what you can and can't buy. Yeah. Yeah. Contestant. Um, the thing is, with this area, they're on the lake. Um, there's a lot of, like, little streams that I think are glacier-fed right. but don't necessarily have fish yeah. in them because they're just very small streams. So I don't think you're going to get lucky on a river like right. that. Um, I There's a little, you know, they, they do little foreshadowing clips so you can see what's kind of coming mm. up next. And I think one guy did catch some fish in his, uh, his gill net on the lake. So that's not to say it couldn't happen, but to me that just seems like... Okay. Yeah, and not yeah. very effective option. You've convinced me um, that you've tell, talked me through how impractical this gill net is. It's, <laughs> okay, cause to me, like, I never even... Had you heard of this before? Did you know they existed before this? The, the, the gill net? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I haven't. Like, I, I know mm-hmm. traditional fishing. I, I don't didn't know about mm-hmm. these gill nets. The idea sounds very cool to me, but... In, yeah. in practicality, it seems like you'd be able to do everything with the fishing line while still mm-hmm. being able to actually go ahead and fish normally if you wanted to. Yeah, and you've got your paracord, which has strands in the middle, which can be pulled apart. It's not, of course, as thin as fishing line, so the fish are still going to see it, but um, hopefully these fish are not overfished, so they may not be quite as wary of a line mm-hmm. hanging in the water. Mm-hmm. So that's an, another option that's would make me think that I don't need the fishing line, but you get the 35 hooks with it, which I think is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going with the fishing line and hooks instead of the gill net. I like it. Also, as part of the rules, um, you can use anything that you find around you. So people 
occasionally find litter and use that for different things. Um, One guy found a soda can and he cut it up and made lures out of it. Um, Another guy found like a tobacco tin lid and made a lure out of that. Um, People also pulled their paracord apart and used the inner strands to tie flies on their Mm. fishing Mm -hmm. flies. Um, That's not something found, but that's just another use for paracord. Mm -hmm. It was apparently a like a pink inner. So that's another thing you might want to think about is the color and what you might use it for. Yeah. Wow. Um, so there's multiple layers to each of these. And then one guy found a log with uh, an old nail in it. And so he used that and he actually heated it up in his fire and he had picked an ax, which I think is later on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was actually like trying to forge a little knife out of it <laughs> at his campfire. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Right. Wow. Um, anything else you're going to take? Just hang on. Just, who who like would have thought like how precious that one nail would become uh-huh. to someone? Yep, yep. It's crazy. Okay, okay. I, um, that's it. That's it for me. I'm taking the bow and arrow and the fishing line and hooks. I like it. Okay. You don't want the uh, slingshot, dude. No. Like Where the block of salt. No, I. Um, Destin seemed to think that the salt would be very important. I think you'd probably get enough of it from the creatures that you're going to be eating. Yeah. I, Hard to say, but people survive that way for long periods without salt. So, yeah. Um, uh, you don't want the net foraging bag? <laughs> Dude, we got spare clothes, man. We're good. That's what we get boxers for. <laughs> All right. On to the food items. Two items max. Give us a read off of those. So we got, it looks like two pounds of just about everything here, except for the last one. Mm. So we got jerky, uh, dried pulses slash legumes slash lentils mix, uh, biltong, which I believe was described as just uh, a protein. Uh, yeah, something. it's very similar to jerky, except that I think it's basically just salted and dried and there's not like flavors and seasonings put into it. Oh, uh, Okay. Well, yeah, we don't want that. So then we I've have... had it. It's also shaved very thin after the fact. At least the stuff I had was was like shaved after it was dried. Okay. Um, two pounds of hardtack military biscuits, chocolate, pemmican, gorp, flour, and then two-thirds pounds rice, two-thirds pounds sugar, and two-thirds pounds salt. That That's all together there. So it was two pounds of everything else except for that last item. Hmm. <sighs> So as uh, as Matt asked Destin, do you know what GORP stands for? Good old raisins and peanuts. Yep. We uh, every year my parents host a uh, campfire night mm-hmm. at uh, at their place, and my mom always made GORP. Mm. There was usually also other stuff like sunflower seeds and M and M's and all kinds of stuff in there. Funny thing is, people always picked out all the good stuff, and then after it was left, we just had raisins and peanuts <laughs> left. Nice. Um, are you taking any items from here? Um, so this is an interesting category because it's it's expendable. You are going mm-hmm. to consume all of this at some point, yep. and you will no longer have this item. So it's a very interesting thing to think about. Um, assuming we're, we're starting off well-fed, right? Like we ate a big breakfast yeah. that morning, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I would hope that I would be able to at least catch some fish or something 
the the day I land. So like I'm not yeah. going to be like starving that night or something. So I feel like just you'd like to think so. Wouldn't I you? would like to think so. I might okay. I might not be a fisherman, but I'd learn to fish. You know. Uh, so definitely like all the main like meal items off here are just th- that's pointless to me. Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing I see on here like the chocolate. Um, you know, I'm thinking, or or even the the gorp, like that's, you know, the, those those kinds of things give you the energy, and you only need a small yeah. amount of it, um, yeah. which I do kind of like. Might be good if you are in a spell where you're having trouble getting finding food, but I would hope that I mean, if if, if that's a problem, then you're probably not going to make it anyway. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. I do have room on my list, so I could honestly take some if I wanted to. But I'm, I, I, I don't know. It's a toss-up. What I'm gathering from watching the show is that usually you can go maybe a day or two without eating. Mm. But then after that, it really starts to affect you as far as energy and as far as your brain function goes. Mm. So it's apparent to me... Um, and I think Matt made this point as well in their uh, episode that you really want to get food started right away and mm-hmm. shelter started right away, mm. even if it's just a temporary shelter. And he mentioned using the tarp to be a temporary shelter while you get food to keep you sustained so that you can then find a better location to build a permanent shelter and then have enough food to sustain you while you build that permanent shelter. Interesting. So I think the food is very important, but I think if you just get on top of fishing or looking for wild edibles right away, because there's still going to be some around, mm-hmm. um, that's going to help you a lot. Even like catching mice and eating those or um, <laughs> birds or whatever you got. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not going to take any food items with me. If I would, I think I would say if I grab any of these, I feel like I would lean towards the gorp. Like mm. it just seems like something that you could, I, I can't envision two pounds necessarily, but if you need just like a little bit of something to help yeah. tide you over, um, I feel like that yeah. would that would might be an option. But I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass. All right. Next is tools: one pocket knife, one hunting knife, one Leatherman multi-tool or similar, one sharpening stone, one roll of duct tape or one roll of electrical tape, one small shovel, one small sewing kit, one carabiner, one LED flashlight, one pair of ice spikes. One scotch-eyed auger, um, one adds, one hand, oh, excuse me, one two-handed draw knife, uh, one hatchet, one saw, or one axe. How many items have you got, John, on your list so far? I've got six. Because this, really? Yeah. Because um, this is our last category, and I've got seven okay i've only got because you have the tarp i'm pretty sure our lists are identical except for that tarp which i Ah. still am not sold on by the way oh i i'll sell you out by the end okay (laughs) okay um so what are you thinking off this list i've got uh i've got three items off this list yeah okay um well i i could go up to four here um Mm. so this or go back and get something from another. <laughs> I couldn't. That's true. Um, okay, so I just I want I feel like all of these need talking through, right? Yeah. So okay, the- well, let's just talk about the ones that you probably don't want. Um, 
the ads, um, which I believe is an axe for. I don't know if um, if Dustin described it correctly. We sh I suppose we could just Google it. We do have that ability. Um, it's an axe for... Oh, yeah, okay. So it, it is like the way he described it. Um, for chipping things out or hollowing things out. Okay. Um, picture like the claws of a claw hammer, but flat. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. So you, if you were building like a wood canoe, you might use yeah. that to hollow it out. I, I'm not planning so, on building a canoe. I just want to live. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't think the ads is very important. So I'd scratch that off. A scotch-eyed auger, not exactly sure what that is. Um, let's just take a look at that as well. Uh, while you look that up, I'd like to scratch off the ice spikes. Uh, um, the auger is exactly what I thought it was. It's um, basically a wood drill bit that has a hole at the top where you can put a piece of wood through for a handle. Okay. So, interesting. Which, yeah, I kind of figured that's what it was. So, I think that's going to be not as helpful as other stuff. Okay. Um, and then the ice ice spikes, like you just said, I think I would scratch that off as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would scratch the carabiner as well. Yeah, just I'm, uh, let's talk for a second. One carabiner? That is some pretty <laughs> bad value, if you ask me. Yeah. What What are you going to do? Hang stuff from it? Yeah, I'm, dude, just tie a knot. Just tie man. a knot. Like, <laughs> uh, um, some sewing kit. Um, this could be useful if you, I don't know, get a cut and need to stitch yourself up. Mm. Um, repairing clothing, I don't feel like is going to be a huge priority. Yeah. You can also make needles out of small bones if need be, and you can pull threads out of your clothing or ropes or whatever for sewing purposes. So I don't think that's necessary at all. That's, dude, you are thinking out of the box here, pulling threads out of your own clothing. That's oh man, that's... I worked in a prison <laughs> and then a jail. Oh, inmates oh, do that's that true. stuff all the time. Yeah, they use it for tying all kinds of stuff up. You find orange thread everywhere. Uh, run roll of duct tape or one roll of electrical tape just doesn't seem very useful to me out in the wilderness. It's yeah. I mean, the not as useful as like rope. Yeah. It, that's a very good point. I mean, people joke about how duct tape solves all your problems and you can repair so many things with duct tape, but it's, it's in the wilderness. Duct tape does not it's, stick well to tree branches, you know, it's going to stick well to itself and that's about it. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, you know, I have rope for that, like you said. Yep. All right. I think that was all. I, I think I would leave the for sure the sharpening stone as well because there's going to be rocks. They're not going to be flat and nice, but if you're careful and know what you're doing, you can keep your stuff sharp just with that. Yeah. So. Um. So here's here's one. I think we ruled out most of the ones that we kind of would all agree on. Here's one that um. I think I, I was initially thinking I would want it, but I'm starting to think I would rule it out. The LED flashlight. Mm. Now, a flashlight seems pretty nice to have. Uh, rather than trying to survive with, with fire for your light. Mm -hmm. um, however, I came to realize that I have all day, every day, to do things during the daytime. 
and I can just sleep when it's dark. Like I, yeah. I don't, I, I don't think it's worth wasting an item on. So the flashlight thing is, uh, I agree as far as trying not to, maybe not trying to get work done at night, but um, there are bears that visit your camp, and it mm. is nice to be able to see them and where they're at and what they're doing. Um, the contestants were all given bear spray, like a nice big can of it. Oh, okay. Um, in case they encounter bears. Mm-hmm. And then they were all, oh, I think it was either that or what's called a bear banger, which is like a little gun that shoots firecrackers. Wow. So it makes a lot, like a like a large firecracker. So it makes a loud noise and scares the bear away. I think personally, of the two, I would go with the bear spray. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to be a lot more debilitating to a bear instead of just scaring it. It is. It's also um, debilitating to uh, humans as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which we already know we're not going to have to deal with. <laughs> well, so. I, I'm just saying, like, stand up wind, okay, if you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think the flashlight would be good for that. If there's a bear coming into camp and it's, like, digging up your tent or whatever, you can see where it's at to try to blast it in the face mm-hmm. at night. Because um, that's when they're going to visit you. Are these grizzlies? And yes, and that's the thing. They're grizzlies, and there are some black bears uh, that some people saw. And the thing is that they're not necessarily prone to attacking humans unprovoked, but they um, are just very curious and just might start tearing stuff up and aren't necessarily as scared of humans, mm-hmm. especially if they've had time to work their way into camp, as you would expect. Because it seems like a lot of these people had some pretty close bear encounters already in just the first three episodes. Okay. Yeah. So that's my. That's why I think the flashlight would be very important. Interesting. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. Now, my thing about bears black bears are cute and cuddly. I could care less if I have a flashlight <laughs> to point at them or not. Grizzly bears are legitimately very scary creatures. They uh-huh. are massive and will happily eat you if they want to. Yeah, I think they said kind of on average they're like 8 feet tall and about 1,300 pounds. Sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah. And can run. Very fast. (sighs) Okay. So, yeah, there's all kinds of other stuff to talk about. You've kind of sold me on the flashlight just for that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, I'm thinking I kind of want a flashlight. Mm -hmm. I want the multi-tool. Really? It's going to have a knife blade on it already. Okay. As opposed to the pocket knife. Because yeah. it's basically a pocket knife it, with a whole bunch true. of extra stuff. Well, okay. But so you have the pocket knife or the hunting knife. Now, it's my understanding that the hunting knife is just a bigger knife, right? Like it doesn't mm-hmm. collapse. It's just a bigger knife. Yeah. And in my opinion, bigger is better here. Like you have more yeah. blade to work with. You can just do more with it. It's almost more multifunctional. But, what if you went with the axe and the multi-tool? You'd have a smaller blade, and you'd have the axe for, like, hewing stuff if you needed to chop things down. It's a little... Or shave logs or things. The, the axe feels a little unwieldy to me. Um, mm. Well, that's the question. Are you gonna, would you go with an axe or a hatchet if you had to choose between the two? I, well, okay, so if I picked the hatchet, then I certainly wouldn't pick the hunting knife. Um, yeah it's i don't know it's it's tough i don't i I don't have much experience with either to be honest i think i would take a hatchet or an axe for sure that'd be one of my yeah it has to be one of those 
Yeah. Um, I think what I would do is just find one with a good blade. And I don't know if they give you if they let you take a double bit axe, so you'd have two blades. Mm. But I don't think you'd want that. I think you want a flat end for hammering stuff. Yeah. Like the one guy who started forging his nail. Right. Um, and then you want your sharp end for cutting and hacking and stuff. And a lot of these people had like they had decently sharp hatchets that they could use to shave logs down. Hmm. For like the one guy made an ore for himself. Um so I'm gonna take the axe slash hatchet. I think a large axe might be, like you said, a little unwieldy mm-hmm. and not useful in as many scenarios. So I might go with like a long handled hatchet. Okay, okay. I see what you're doing there. Yeah. I, I like that it's actually. Kind of if you could find a good sort of blend between the two, I I feel like that would be a good choice. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of stuff we can talk about, too, about how you're going to sharpen it. Do you want it like a nice, sharp, sharp uh, point, or do you want it more of a, what's called an apple seed edge, so yeah. that it's just stronger and better for, like, splitting? Right. We won't get into that right now, though. Okay, so I'm taking the axe. So that puts me at eight items, so I still have two more. Are you going to take I, an axe? I feel like just because I'm not counting too much on on um finding the perfect axe slash hatchet combo i want to take the axe and the hunting knife i think okay and you could Um, potentially i mean you can still find axes with a flat one side's flat um and then just cut the handle off if you feel like you want it shorter yeah i don't know it's it this category really i think is depends on what you purchase like, I feel like there's a I, big range. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is the hatchet is going to be easier to carry around with you if you're trying to build something somewhere. And uh-huh. it's just easier to swing quickly if you're trying to chop stuff quickly. So, okay, I want I want an axe and a hatchet, man. So just pick a hybrid. Pick just Maybe just pick the axe and then cut the handle off if you want it shorter. <laughs> the head's still going to be yeah, a little but, bit bigger, but right. I think that's a, a good compromise. Yeah, but I also probably want that thicker blade, though. Um, though what kind Maybe. of edge did you say? It was the apple seed? Uh, yeah, apple seed. Basically, the profile of it looks like an apple seed where it's kind of right. rounded so that it's very strong yeah. for chopping. And it's good for splitting stuff because it kind of wedges in there, but then it, it widens quickly. Uh, I'm Okay, I'm definitely um, taking the axe. Like, this is a crucial right. part of building my shelter. Um, okay, it, that's so we're going with an axe. Uh-huh. What about um, the Leatherman tool or multi-tool, let's say, because Leatherman's a brand, uh, versus the hunting knife? I, I would think I would pick the Leatherman for sure. But, like, okay, so here's your multi-tool, right? It's got your knife on it, and then what mm-hmm. else What else does it have? Like a... a Bottle opener, some scissors, some screwdriver bits. You, you don't need this fancy stuff out here, do you? Well, see, that's another thing, because I think I would want to build my own custom multi-tool that would have oh. useful stuff on it. Like, I might put, like, a punch on there for, you know, punching holes and stuff. Or, yeah, definitely going to have a nice stout knife blade. Mm. Um, I think I would try to find, like, a good large multi-tool mm. and then take out all the tools and put in my own tools. <laughs> Dude, 
<laughs> and so that way I would have the pliers because mm-hmm. um, people, I mean, people use the oh, pliers right, for of all kinds of stuff on this show, pulling things apart, um, holding the metal that the guy was foraging. Yeah. Um, one guy used it to try to make fish hooks out of his wire, which I don't know how effective that was. Or people use it for twisting their wire, which you and I haven't selected wire, but yeah. I think that pliers is going to be very useful for gripping stuff. Okay, I, lo- I love the pliers. I love the pliers. As a kid, I always loved pliers, and I still love them. Yeah, but yeah. I just I'm I'm having a hard time seeing their use in this natural environment I'm working in. Like, yeah, I know you just said that a bunch of people use them on the show, but. At least for the my kit that I'm I've built so far, I don't have a very good use for them. I, right. But but it's like but it's like if you get the multi tool, then it's like the pocket knife is just a downgrade. You know, I mean. Yeah, I would say throw the pocket yeah, knife. Yeah, it's out. it's. I would say you. I think you want a blade of some kind, right. and I think the multi tool wins over the hunting knife because you already have a hatchet. If you need a larger blade, well, I don't. I, um, well, okay, the, yeah, I have the axe slash hatchet. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The hatchet slash axe is a larger blade for hacking things. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else you really need a large knife for because you can skin and clean a, a large animal with a very small knife. Like mm-hmm. I've done deer with a pocket knife. Um, that's kind of. But I always. Though. Well, it's if it's, it's sharp, consuming, maybe. Um, no, if it's sharp, you can get through the skin quickly, and then a lot of the the internals, organs, and stuff you're pulling out by hand, yeah. and you just need to trim them off at the end where they connect right. to stuff. So I've what I've always wanted to do is take a broadhead from you know like from for from bow hunting, yeah. and then just take a, a single blade <laughs> off the broadhead and use that to skin or to at least dress my entire deer. Okay. It would, okay. of course, be nice for cutting large chunks of meat off, but I yeah. think you can still get away with that with a smaller blade if you're just careful to not hit bones and stuff. Okay. I will take the Leatherman if All right. if if I can indeed get one with – either get one or build one with the tools, the specific tool pieces that I want because I feel like – I guess I don't know the brand Leatherman, but – I've, mm-hmm. Most multi tools, I feel like there's a lot of stuff on there that would just be with dead weight to me. Not. It seems useful. like though too, even if you weren't able to put your own tools in, you could still maybe use uh, some other tools to modify it before you went out, like grind the bottle opener so it's sharp, or yeah. like a corkscrew. Maybe you could straighten that out, or who, who knows? What. Yeah. I, I think I think you could find a lot of uses, like stuff like screwdrivers, not necessarily useful. Unless it's like something you need for prying stuff open, or, or who knows what. So I okay. Think you want to yeah. Sharpen a lot of this stuff. I'm doing it. I'll take the multi tool. <laughs> okay. Um, Dude, I got I got two left, man. I'm I'm feeling more hopeful. I think there's a chance I might live. Okay. You think so? To <laughs> watch the show. Okay. Um, oh let's wait. See. That's... <gasps> wait a second. I didn't write down flashlight. Are you done? Are you at I 10? have nine, and I have not written down the flashlight either. I'm trying to decide between the sh- flashlight or the shovel. Ooh, okay, let's. Okay, I have room because I didn't bring the tarp. I'm putting down flashlight because five hundred thousand dollars is not worth getting eaten by a grizzly, and I'm scared of grizzly <laughs> bears. So I will put down the flashlight uh, purely for that reason. That's the only time I think I'd actually have a need for it. So. It's it's just a safety item, really. Here, um, 
Yeah. I suppose. So here's I suppose my, I might, might, I, I don't know. I still want to talk you into taking the talk. Nope. Nope. Because nope. what I see on the show, like, like Matt described, people use the tarp for a temporary shelter so that they can gather food and get energy to build their more permanent shelter. Because otherwise, you have to build a temporary shelter right away in case you get rained on right away. You want to keep your stuff, yourself and your gear and your sleeping bag dry. And then, so you need that temporarily, I think. And then it's just great for keeping water off of stuff after the fact. And I saw one guy even built himself a little canoe using his tarp and uh, bent bent bows. Um, That's creative. I didn't think it was going to work, but it apparently floated. <laughs> he went out fishing in it, so... I think the tarp is incredibly important. I think it's more important than the flashlight, actually. Um, the flashlight is—it only has one use. Okay, it's not—it's not. It's not yeah. We know it's not very useful. Uh huh. What would be better though? <laughs> going out with a flashlight and knowing where your bear is, or just going out with a big stick and swinging <laughs> it wildly until you hit the bear? <laughs> um, I'm. You know. Maybe. Maybe I would try to build a treehouse. And oh, I don't and, think that's going to work for you. <laughs> um, so let's talk about shelters real quick. The ones that I am gathering uh, are most effective. So when I was first watching it, I should start off by saying I was realizing you need something that's going to keep grizzlies out because mm-hmm. they're not necessarily coming after you. But if you ate food and you smell a bit like food, and then they want to come in and explore, yeah. um, you know. Obviously, you're going to have your cooking and food prep area away from your tent. Right. That's for um, sure. Plenty of distance. I figure probably down by the lake where exactly. bears are going to be anyway. Yeah. And that way you can wash a lot of stuff off in the water. That That's exactly what I would do. I would just have like a little, I would build like a little fire pit area on the beach. That's where I yep. would do all my cooking and cleaning and eating and preparing. So you're... You might want like a windbreak or something, but not something a grizzly is going to get into and tear apart. Um, but I don't think you want any food around your living space because the grizzlies are going to dig into it, mm. but they still might try to get in out of curiosity. A lot of the people are building shelters above ground uh, in the show. Um, a lot of them are building like log cabin style houses where they're actually bringing in logs. They had like brought a saw and an ax and they're building them like Lincoln logs and they're building themselves a little cabin. Wow. I think a lot of these people are also building them way too large because they're making them like big enough for like three people to sleep in. I think you want it like big enough for two people. So basically, if you insulate it well enough, your body heat can can warm that interior. Yeah. Um, I would so I would say just are, just big enough so that you can comfortably sleep without feeling claustrophobic. But you also got to remember that you've got gear. You got to keep warm. You got all your clothes or dry. You got oh, all your clothes yeah. and your supplies. Your tools. It's not going to take that much space, but yeah, I, I get no, your but point. Yeah, you need a little bit more room than just claustrophobic provision. Right, right. Okay, that's that's a fair point. Um, a lot of these people though are building like lean tos and stuff, and where they're at, it's real windy, mm. and you know it's going to start snowing soon. They're great temporary shelters, but I don't think they're going to last through the winter, especially when they start getting some heavy snow on top of mm. them. Um, and like Matt was mentioning, snow melting and coming through the roof, um, or even just rain, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can make some pretty watertight shelters for temporary use, but for as lasting months in the winter, mm-hmm. I think you got to dig in 
and there's like lots of rocks and stuff in this area. It's a very rocky yeah. area in the mountains, and that's going to help you prevent bears from digging in. And so this one lady, who I think is going to do very well, um, dug herself a pit, and then she's basically building a roof over the top of it. I personally would dig the pit maybe four or five feet deep and then lay logs across it and then cover that with sticks and then cover that all with dirt wow. and rocks. And it's going to take a lot of energy, that, but I think she got her pit dug in mostly in a day. So Really? It's doable. So so, so she's she's burrowing. She's going underground. Mm-hmm. That's And that's going to protect you from the wind, and it's also going to give you heat from the ground because yeah. the ground is you know, usually about 40 degrees, 50 degrees, whatever. And very good insulation. You're, you're, mm-hmm. You basically now only have one uh, man-made wall, basically, which is your top mm-hmm. front door versus, yep. you know, what, five sides, four walls and a roof. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, that's nice. That's nice. My concern is... Um, first of all, it says on here, small shovel. Like, I don't know how big yeah. her shovel was, but I feel like... Well, that's the thing is she didn't have a shovel. She was using sticks and the jawbone from a moose or an elk, maybe. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. As, yeah. as someone, as, as a child, once many years ago who wanted to dig like, who wanted to like live underground and like dig really deep holes and stuff, like... Yep. I never got very deep like that with a shovel and yeah, yeah with with an actual like normal size shovel so to me mm-hmm. I would be very concerned about how long and it would take to dig this burrow and mm-hmm. how much energy I would expend digging it I feel like I would go yeah. through a lot of energy she was scraping up a lot of dirt and then putting it in a clothing item and then using that as a bag to carry it out of the pit mm. wow so I don't think the shovel's absolutely necessary, but I think it would help you a lot. And you could potentially sharpen the edge and use it as a blade, or you could use it to help you get through. Well, you're going to have an axe, but I was going to say help you get through the ice in the winter time. Oh, that's right. Dig snow out, gather snow. Hmm. So I think it would have a lot of extra uses. So I feel like take. I feel like right, but those extra uses I feel like aren't enough to justify it. The, you you are bringing the shovel if your game plan going into this is that you want to become a groundhog, like yes, you have to I decide intend, this ahead of time. If if I was on the show, I would definitely dig in. Yeah, no matter where I was, I think I would always go go underground. Now this is also interesting because the geography of the land you're dropped in really plays a role. Like if you could find some kind of. Um, you know, even just like some kind of little nook in the rocks, like if, yeah. if you're near like a cliff or something, that could be huge. Just it could be, but you can't. Count you can't. On it, yeah, so. you can't count on it. Um, so that does make it hard. So I think I don't think you're ever going to be dropped somewhere where it's just solid rocks. So you're always going to be able to dig in, even in this rocky area. Yeah, and and you can walk a decent ways, right? Like to find. Yeah, yeah. You got all your gear. So you got to carry that if you are uh, are traveling somewhere. But if it's a one-time move, it might be worth it. Okay, so here's the thing. So if you have the shovel and you're going underground and you build a real sturdy front door, like a trap door out of logs, 
so that the bears yep. don't step on it and accidentally fall into you <laughs> while you're sleeping. Then I would feel very protected underground and no longer feel the need for a flashlight. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good point. That's why I'm thinking the tarp is so important for a temporary shelter so that you can spend time building a good permanent shelter. Cause it's really going to come down to once you start really digging in and, and making that your home, the bears are going to be even more curious when you start to smell like food and stuff. And then you also need to be able to make it through the winter. So, I mean, would you have a fire in your underground burrow? Yeah, I would build a uh, little seem, fire yeah. pit. I mean, it seems like you need uh, or not it seems a pit, like you need a, the, uh, that warmth, right? Like I don't yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think you could get away with just your warm clothes and your sleeping bag and being underground. No. Um, I would build I build a fireplace with a little chimney to make sure that it drew Oh well, yeah. And having Having grown up in a home where we did wood heat, you, you understand how important it is that your chimney heats up and draws air through it, yeah. and that's what pulls fresh air in then from the outside as well. Yeah, because um, you'd have to think about ventilation for the whole two. Yeah. yeah. So that would you you could just have a small smoldering fire mm-hmm. then, and to heat that small space, mm-hmm. I would also make sure that there's like a little pit or something dug under there so that any water that might get in would drain away from me and into that oh that's a good point like if you know i don't assuming this is within oh i don't know probably within half a mile of the lake i maybe a quarter mile i don't know how far Mm -hmm. you'd have to go you wouldn't hit water down there would you like yeah it depends like these uh this the area around the lake slope up pretty steeply and this this particular location they're at so i think just about anywhere you'd be able to find a good spot where you could dig down a few feet yeah and i mean i imagine now as a man on the taller end of the spectrum i'd have it kind of rough i'd need to do more digging but i'd imagine you know you only you only need to make this like you know you don't need a lot of headroom right like you could have the yeah, main you don't need to be able to the main hole you don't need to be able to stand yeah you could have the main hole which you could stand in like to lower yourself down and then the you mm-hmm. know hollow out like areas for like your head and legs sort of <laughs> so that yeah you know could do that could do that just to make everything even make the hole even smaller or make your roof even smaller you could dig down and then tunnel a little bit sideways and even build structures under there to help hold that up as well. Yeah, were you thinking like just one giant hole with a lid basically? Yeah, that's kind of what I was envisioning. Uh. Um especially the I'm I'm kind of basing it off of the show that I'm watching, the episode I'm watching where the ground's very rocky. Mm. So if you try to dig under the rocks above are going to kind of collapse down. Yeah, I'm thinking being so buried can't... alive is probably a bad move. So you can't undercut too far yeah. unless you build little structures to support right. it. Um, you also want to make Which, sure you have some real solid logs above you to hold all yeah. of the rocks and dirt that are going to be over your head. And, and I, you know, I feel like you could always expand your home with time, you know, mm-hmm. over the months if you make it. That's the thing. It, depending on how you slope your roof, because I think you want to slope it. I don't think you just wanted a flat roof. You can then go sideways from there. You just can't necessarily build on lengthwise, depending on which direction you lay your logs. Okay, I see, I see. 
So you'd want to plan that in in case you do want to expand it later. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like the shovel. I like the shovel. I feel like I can get rid of my flashlight now, though. Yeah. All right. I think uh, I have talked you into talking me into getting rid of the flashlight as well. Okay. So I think I'm going to go with the shovel as well. And that is my 10 items. Do we want to look back through and see if there's anything else? I'm pretty set on my list. So uh-huh. I'm, yeah. So I have the same list as you, except I'm not sold on the tarp yet. Oh, I, man. Okay. So I feel like the, okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And I guess at this point, it's whether I check to see if there's any other item I'd rather have more than the tarp. But see, mm. with the tarp, I feel like it would only be really nice if the day you get dropped off, it's raining. That would be really unfortunate if you're just, like, all wet and everything you have is wet. That would be a big bummer. But otherwise, I feel like surely within a day you could be able to fish to get some food and at least be able to cut down some branches and boughs and stuff to to fork together just a small shelter doesn't need to keep in a lot of heat just something mm-hmm. small for you and your sleeping yeah. bag it's only temporary you only got to bear one night in this and i feel like I you could f- get away with it well you'd like to think so. i would like to think um, so but yeah the wet i mean some people do get rained on right away um and I think this, that the time that you save, because it's a 12 foot by 12 foot tarp. That is a big tarp. That's twice as long as you, by twice as long as you. Wow. Um, and the one guy had it, um, I think by accident, but he had, you know, a little cupped area. So when it rained on him one night, I filled it with water. So he had good drinking water. So I, 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 think I hate that keeping... you're selling me on this tarp and that our lists are identical. <laughs> yeah well we're just both very um like-minded <laughs> like i said i have the benefit of having watched the show and seeing what works mm-hmm. for people and what doesn't so i think the ta- the tarp is pretty necessary it's gonna be useful for a lot of stuff yeah it's it's really good value with how big it is yeah so I feel like I, feel like, I, I, I have to go with. Well, see, there isn't really much left on the list. Honestly, I picked really sparingly at the start because I thought mm-hmm. I would run out, but like I didn't. And looking back, you know, I don't need anything else from the the. Uh, I don't need any other kinds of rope. I don't need any fancy bedding padding. I I, I don't I don't think I need anything else for cooking. Here's a question: What are you going to do when you're thirsty? Are you just going to go to the lake? Is that the plan? That is a good question because um, I don't know how the bacteria situation works because I don't know if you can like build up a tolerance to it because you can get some pretty severe issues if you drink wild water. Yeah. Um, w- would like, you try to go for a glacier stream or is that not, can we not count on that? Yeah, I mean, in the terrain that they're in, I think you could probably count on it. So I would probably drink out of them myself. But, you know, you risk getting diarrhea or very much worse things as well. Yeah. Um, I thought that it, it, the one guy drank out of a stream and they'll put up like little notes on the screen and stuff. And the one note said something like you could like, I thought he said like neurological diseases or something from it's, it. Yeah. Dude, yeah, um, there's like there's stuff that can like eat your brain out. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um did you ever watch the Tom Scott video on the brain eating amoebas? 
I don't know if I did, but I've I learned about them because of some rare situations where people have used a um, neti pot? pot and and they died because they got something in their brain from the water because wow. yep. they didn't use like the distilled water. Yeah, in the Tom Scott video, he went to a place where it's like apparently a famous swimming hole in this creek. Uh, but the signs say don't don't put your head underwater because there are okay. I think I did see the video eating amoeba. This is yeah. freaky, man. It of is. all the weird ways. So to die. yeah, that's the thing. I would probably drink out of the stream just because it's readily available and it's cool and refreshing. Mm. But I would do it sparingly at first to see how my body reacted. Mm. Um, and then in winter, who knows if they're going to keep flowing because it's a glacier stream, so they're not melting anymore. Yeah. Um, so you're probably going to have to chip ice off the lake or melt snow. And then at that point you're going to want to boil it. I, we don't have the water situation worked out. Uh, Oh, I think, I think you're, Uh, that's what you got your pot for. Dude, this pot, Mm -hmm. we got a, we, this pot is so multifunctional, man. I feel like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is multifunctional, but I feel like it's going to be busy, like cooking food and stuff. And you know, and yeah. Well, that's the thing is, you can't drink and eat at the same time. <laughs> that's just so gotta, rough. You could make yourself cups out of like wood and stuff too. After you've got settled in and had the time, it's possible, however time-consuming, that you can make like containers out of like birch bark or leaves and things, yeah. and then you can use hot rocks to boil the water so that you're not burning your container. Also, have you ever boiled water in a paper cup? Uh, no, but I feel like I've seen it done before. Yeah, the water keeps it cool enough that the paper doesn't burn, so you can actually boil the water. Yeah. So you could potentially make something out of like leaves or something and boil it. I've heard of it being done. I've never actually done it myself. Um, I don't have faith in that. I don't. Yeah, so it's a potential option, but I think the thing is that you just have to divide your time between your. And we're talking big leaves here. I'm not talking like little oak leaves. Um, you had to just, you just had to divide the time that the pot gets used for food and the time that it gets used for drinking. See, what I would really love to do is build a water reserve, and and like, yeah. b- which, if this tarp is waterproof, maybe I could use the tarp post post like uh, one week in mm-hmm. after I've built a nice good shelter. Then I use the tarp and just like form it into a kind of a barrel shape, you know, with some supports to hold it. <laughs> and then yeah. I just boil a bunch of water one day, you know, and just load it up. And then I, I have a think, reserve. I don't think you can count on that reserve saying sterile, though, because there's so many ways stuff's going to get in, even just through the air. Mm. Um, especially, you know, like, how are you going to keep it sealed from things blowing in or like twigs and stuff getting in there or bugs or just mold growing or fungus. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to die, man. This is, I am not, yeah. I, there's no way. I, I think you, you just got to boil your water is the thing. And especially in winter because your water reserve is going to freeze solid. So yeah, I just don't think in that environment you can keep the water clean enough yeah. to store it. Um, one guy, picked some berries and then he dug himself a little uh basically a tiny little root cellar that was you know only a couple of gallons big mm-hmm. 
next to a stream, and then he buried his berries under there and then covered it so that the bears wouldn't find it. <laughs> nice. And then he's like, these are probably ferment and get me drunk later. Interesting. Um, I I actually like that approach, though, just the idea of, um, you know, storing storing your, your food and drink. Like, I mean, you said the drink really wouldn't store, I guess, but the just, you know... I feel like part of the challenge with all of this is just simply having to um, each and every single day waking up without food and having to go, mm-hmm. you know, get lucky basically that day, catching fish, you know, shooting quail, whatever you, we, whatever you got. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well- yeah, but as things start getting colder, you can start hanging things in trees. Like you can yeah. stockpile fish and hang them. Yeah. Um, Which. Or quail or whatever. And I mean, Gross. I don't know too much. Of, I know from some of the books I've read how important salt was used for preserving meats and mm-hmm. just about anything, honestly. So, but I don't know. Like, yeah, like as you said, once it gets colder, can can you just, you know, I mean, is that all you need to do, yeah. you know, as long as mm-hmm. it, yeah. Um, one other thing I just thought of, the shovel could be useful if you are very, if you know your plants that you can eat for any, mm. any root vegetables or anything yes. that grow. Could be good. Yep. Um, one of the episodes, the lady was digging up what, uh, she said were cow parsnips, mm-hmm. which I've had. They're delicious. The roots are, mm. um, they taste to me like a mix of potatoes and carrots. Huh. They're just kind of a, a thick root. Yeah. And this was actually at the, the reserve where we went for a survival class. Uh, we dug some up and then cooked them on the fire. Basically we just set them right next to the fire and the heat just, just cooked them. We didn't wrap them up or anything. And you just kind of peel off the charred bits and then eat the insides. And it was really good. Hmm. She was eating this stuff. And I just remember, Oh, cow parsnips were delicious. And then she starts saying how disgusting it tastes. And I was like, Hmm, because cow parsnip looks a lot like water hemlock, which of course is poisonous. And then a little later on, uh, she starts having some severe pains and needing to throw up and stuff. And she started feeling better. And she's like, uh, you know, unless I misidentified this cow parsnip, because it could be water hemlock, which is not good. It's very poisonous. And she was using the stem of it to, like, blow on her fire, so she didn't have to get her face right up against it. She said she started feeling better, and then when she went to blow on her fire, she started feeling real bad again. And so I'm pretty sure she got into some water hemlock. Wow. Big deal. Fascinating. Yeah. See, I mean, you got to be good, I guess, you know, identifying this kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's the other thing, getting thrown into an environment you don't know, mm-hmm. because I think I could survive around here pretty well. If you threw me in the woods around here in September, oh, yeah, no problem. That's 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 another thing I was going to say, is that you live in Wisconsin. I live in Missouri. I'm much more used to Missouri. You're much more used to Wisconsin. Uh, not only are the plants and animals that we have around us slightly different, but, but just, um, and, and of course, the seasons, too. But just like really all that combined makes the survival situation really different, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you really have to, I assume they tell them where they're going ahead of time so they can at least research what's edible and what creatures are around. Yeah. 
It's yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, my last item, I think, I think I'm gonna take the tarp because I, I don't have anything else I'd rather take. Yeah, I think that's a wise choice. Um, it is kind of disappointing that our end, our, our lists ended up being so similar or exactly the same. But we did talk through this together, so like we did. Okay, I mean, to be fair, you convinced me on the um, the the gillnet. Which you brought up very valid points, and I probably would have made the same decision on my own once I researched them. And just I, I don't go fishing really much, so uh, yeah. And then the tarp. I mean, I'm still not quite as sold on it as you are. I think that that's one advantage you have with watching the show ahead of time is you see yeah. how important that is. Honestly, if I if I uh, if I didn't have you promoting the tarp so much, I might even just be looking at the uh, canteen under the cooking section mm. just for the whole yeah. water situation. I like I like that idea. Um, Wouldn't you rather go with a frying pan, though? Because you can still carry water in it. Plus, you can also cook with it if you need it to. Maybe. It's, it's such a toss-up, really. I, I feel like I have the essentials down, though. So this last item really could... Could really go any any which way. Part of our um, survival classes at uh, Kickapoo Valley Reserve, um, we built shelters. They were just small, mm-hmm. one person like we like the whole group would build one shelter, and then we kind of each get to sit in it and see how uh, effective it was. And we build like just a real simple, very small lean-to that was just big enough for our body, and you get into it and feel how quickly it warms up. And it's basically just several feet of leaves and sticks that you pile on top mm. and then maybe put some bark over it to help waterproof it, things like that. Yeah. And, um, so you can, you can stay really warm if you have a small, well insulated shelter. I guess the, the, um, the, the selling point then for the tarp is waterproof. Yep. You know, keeping water out of stuff and melting snow. Yeah. Um, were there any books that you read or maybe your mother read to you when you were a kid that uh, stood out to you as being like really inspiring you as far as camping or wilderness survival or that sort of stuff? Uh, I did read um, Hatchet, which Destin talked about. Really? Yes, I did. And I actually really loved the book as a kid. Um, I always, I had a really hard time with the beginning just the with the guy dying in the plane and like the kids like you know it's like scared and whatever I, so like that, that that like made it kind of hard for me but because i was i was like super young when i read this and I've, i think i read it probably a couple times um but i i really really liked that book i thought it was i thought it was cool because it was just it was this boy mm. you know like me you know out there yeah. surviving so uh i read that um I think that's probably the most relatable thing to this kind of situation. I mean, I've read, um, uh, let's see. I mean, I read Call of the Wild, which takes place very far north, but that's about dogs. It's not about really survival Mm -hmm. so much, but it does kind of uh, give you an idea of the really harsh winter climate. Um, As far as just like kind of general, general like... um, general 
boy, I don't know what you would call it. I there's this book called The Dangerous Book for Boys, mm-hmm. um, which just like I, I don't I don't remember too much about it, but it just has like. I mean, it's like for a kid, like has cool like diagrams of making like a bow and arrow or something. You know, it's it's like yeah. that kind of book. Like, so mm-hmm. so that's cool, but probably just nowhere on the level necessary for preparing one for an adventure like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and then and then then like as far as personal experience goes, like the closest I have is like tent camping with all the luxuries. Yeah. You know. You, you know, bringing, uh, even bringing firewood, right? Like, you know, bring a tent, sleeping bag, food, everything you need matches. There's nothing, there's nothing to be wanted. It's not, it's not anywhere at this kind of level. Yeah. And that actually makes me want to ask, I don't remember if you said this, what is, what is the most, uh, most, most wilderness camping you've done with like the least least um least luxuries that you ever had hmm. yeah i always fantasized about going out <laughs> and doing like some sort of survival camping situation building my own shelter and sleeping in it but never actually mm. did um our family just used to tent camp when we went on a vacation and we would camp yeah you know at campgrounds usually mm-hmm. so okay so i feel like we're on a level playing field then with our firsthand experience we, yeah, as far as actual camping goes, yeah, we didn't didn't really ever do much like living off the land survival type <laughs> stuff. Okay, okay. Um, I'm I don't remember because the the story the what you're saying about the the plane crash at the beginning of Hatchet sounds familiar, but I don't know if it was a movie that we watched as kids mm-hmm. or if my mother read the book to us. Um. I think they... I have a list of books that she, my mother did read to us when we were kids uh, that really inspired me. Um, did you ever read the book My Side of the Mountain? Ooh, that sounds familiar. It's a kid who ran away from home for whatever reason, I don't remember, um, and basically went to live on a mountain side by himself. Um, he ended up finding a giant tree that he hollowed out to make his little home out of, and basically lived off the land for like a year um until i think (laughs) i think it ended with his father coming out and finding him and then the whole family moved out there or something (laughs) i don't remember for sure how that how it ended but the the book was really good i I feel like i remember just the title i don't really remember the contents but i feel like the name is familiar Mm. It seems to me that he also got a pet falcon somewhere in the process. And that uh, rings a bell too. It's just the coolest but thing. But it's also when we were kids. Yeah, that is the coolest. Like I, that also just sounds um, like kind of a thing that would happen. So it I'm don't. pretty sure he had a hatchet too, so it was uh, it was definitely came in great use. Um there was another survival book that my mother read to us about different scenarios and how you would survive in those scenarios. Like, for example, an avalanche, if you get trapped in an avalanche, mm. or a tornado, or whatever it might be. Okay. And that wasn't so much wilderness survival, but it was still how to survive in extreme situations, mm. which I thought was a really fun book. I don't remember the title of it. Mm. Uh, there was, that, of course, that survival video. I also was fascinated by 
Native Indians or Native Americans when I was a kid because of the kind of the idea of living off the mm-hmm. land. Um, there was a book called Moccasin Trail that I really loved. Hmm. Um, and then there was another one called The Sign of the Beaver. Where a guy <gasps> I read The Sign of the Beaver. With. Oh, good. I, I remember it being gripping as a 10-year-old. Yeah. I don't remember much of what it was about other than that he goes to live with some Indians. Dude, in the Ollie, you're bringing back memories of like these great books, but... It's like the sad thing is if I if I went back and tried to read those now I'd, I'd be like what is this like this mm-hmm. you know they were awesome for when you're you know 10 years old but yeah now they they don't have the same magic you just you know I don't know yeah they're just not at that level Yep so anything else you remember that uh, kind of inspired you about wilderness or survival as a kid I don't. I don't. Why you're thinking about really that? So, I mean, just you. You listed. You reminded me of some of those books that I definitely read. Mm. There was one other. There's there's another book I read too that I don't remember the name of. Um, that was about you know some some young kid you know doing the whole survival thing, but mm. um, yeah, I mean that was pretty much it. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. Um, While you were thinking about your your book selection there, I just went and checked our email. We still have no emails from our listeners. We also know that the only listener we have is my grandma. So uh, she just emails me directly. So thanks for listening, Grandma. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're not necessarily our target demographic, but we really appreciate (laughs) you listening. And maybe share it around with some of your friends. (laughs) Because... Nobody else is sharing it with their friends, not even Christopher. So I'm definitely guilty. Our email address is enthusiasticwitter at Mm gmail.com. Tell us what you thought. Tell us your survival experiences. And you know what? Send us your list of 10 because we want want different Mm -hmm. lists. Our lists ended up being the same. So make that happen. Let us know what you brought. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for listening, and hopefully we will have more episodes in the near future. We haven't given up on the podcast. We just have had nothing to talk about. That's so true. So we want to get on and just just talk nonsense. So, all right, thanks for listening, and we will talk at you later. Bye.